0: A podcast one production. I've been drinking a Red Bull, so I need to burp. Hold on. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a lady. Okay, take us away, Jacob.
1: Hello and welcome to Just The Gist, a weekly podcast where Rosie Waterland gives us just the gist of what we need to know about a topic of her choosing, which this week is going to be...
0: (gasps) Just to shove it in your face, it's <laughs> Bell Gibson. <laughs> Which, by the way, the people requested.
1: Yes. I'm giving
0: the people what they want.
1: Yes, you have proven me completely wrong, and I do stand corrected. People are interested in this topic, so I got to tell you now. My. Interest is peaked as Good. well. So I'm glad to be hearing about this topic.
0: And I'll convince you today why it's so interesting.
1: Excellent. But I'm looking first, forward to it.
0: You know what's become my new favorite thing to do? This song. Ready? <laughs> do, 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 do. Important news. x extra. I'm gonna give you the scoop, see? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> All
1: right, lay it on me.
0: This is the news that um I think you probably need to know. You sent me a request this yes. time, which you rarely do. You want to know mm. about coronavirus.
1: Yes, but I don't have the time or enough interest <laughs> to actually research.
0: Yes. Well, I tried to, but it's it's been so bizarro the last few weeks. I, to be honest, am not entirely sure where it's landed. I mean, it's bad. Yes, it's this virus that started mm. in a market in Wuhan in China Mm -hmm. And at first they thought it could only be spread from animals to humans. So it was only if you ate some dodgy animal or came into contact with some dodgy dead animal at that market. But Mm. then they realized it went from human to human and then lots of humans started getting it. And at first China was like, nothing to see here. Everything's fine. But Mm. then it's like, "Mm, we think you're lying because you just quarantined like three cities with 80 million people in them. And that is unheard of in the history of the earth. So, um, Then people were like, maybe China, like, isn't telling us how bad it is. And then it started popping up in other countries, including Australia. And we recently evacuated a bunch of people from China to Christmas Island where they have to be quarantined for two weeks. I know my niece's boarding school that has quite a few Chinese um, Mm. students didn't have their like welcome back for the year dinner because none of those students were allowed to come back to school until they'd been quarantined for two weeks. Wow. Like, so it's it, it's been, people are taking it seriously, but here's the thing. And some people have died, like how many? 500 or something about, I think. And apparently there's like, I don't know how many infected. Thousands, mm-hmm. a few thousand, more than SARS. I did uh-huh. read that it's spread faster and has infected more people than SARS did at this mm-hmm. point. But here's the thing I don't get. I keep reading a lot of people saying that The reaction to this is totally overblown and actually quite racist because there have been talks of people like not letting, you know, in Australia, people not letting Chinese people into their shops and stuff because Mm. they just assume everybody who looks even mildly Asian has coronavirus. Mm. So there are people saying that the reaction to it is kind of racist and overblown and it's actually not as bad as like the common flu. Mm. But then there are other people saying it's really bad and it could be the start of a pandemic and we're all going to die and face masks are selling out everywhere. And so I don't, I mean, I know it's bad, but I I don't know where we've landed. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not going to get it. I mean, I'm not walking around with a mask on. Mm.
1: Well, from what (laughs) I've heard, the mask actually does nothing
0: well, unless you. you have, like, one of those hermetically sealed, like, crazy mm. hazmat kind of ones, but yeah. the other ones don't do shit.
1: Right. Do you know why it's called coronavirus?
0: No, that's just what they called it. I don't know. Okay. Why do you ask?
1: Well, it's just curious. I mean, that's Spanish for crown, right? So I don't oh, know. I, I don't know.
0: It
1: does something Good question.
0: Don't temples? scientists, whoever, like, discovers it, gets to pick the name? That's why there's things like. You know, when they discover new insects and it's like a big Beyonce fan and they're like, it's the Beyonce Litano beetle, you know what I mean? Like they just, scientists just call things what they want. Ah,
1: okay. And so it's a brand new virus, never been seen before, came yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay, I think everyone seemed, everyone that brings it up seems to be of the same sort of point of view as you, that it like, could actually be a huge issue or it might just be being blown up. In the yeah media at the moment and
0: no I mean it is bad it it's knowing. a it's a bad virus like it's mm-hmm. an unexpected virus that they don't have a um, vaccine for so they're trying to figure out a vaccine right now but I just I, I can't get my head around and I did legitimately try to research it for you. I can't get my head around how bad it actually it actually is mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think for us it's not that bad. I think in Wuhan and China it's quite bad
1: okay
0: So anyway. There you All go. Right.
1: Well, we'll turn to you for future news. updates. Thanks for that.
0: <laughs> um, Brexit happened.
1: Oh, it actually happened. It happened. Oh, yeah. When?
0: Uh, the other day. Uh-huh. <laughs> so England isn't part of the UK anymore. Is that the is that the thing? European Union. Yeah, European uh, Union. European yeah. Union. Felix just corrected me. European Union.
1: And does that mean anything yet? I don't think so. No. You know so much more about I than mean, Brexit. I mean, it'll yeah, I
0: do. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you a lot about Mexit. I think Brexit will come back to bite them on the ass. I mean, I've watched a lot of um, news stories of reporters saying to people who were on the streets cheering that Brexit had finally happened. So, what do you think you're actually going to get out of Brexit? And mm-hmm. they've just said things that are categorically wrong. Like one woman was like, "We just get our country back," you know, like. You know, the Germans won't be in charge of our courts anymore. And it was like the Germans are not nor have they ever been in charge of your courts. Like what? So I think a lot of people have voted for something that they don't really understand.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and I have a lot of friends um from England or who have lived in England and have European passports who are devo that, you know, they don't anymore, but oh well. <laughs> The other big news that I could think of that I cared about, um, which I had before Brexit, but Fifi and Dino told me I should probably mention Brexit, (laughs) um, is that MAPS started Married at First Sight.
1: Ah, another show I've never seen.
0: It's been amazing. It's been amazing so far. It's been really Mm -hmm. good. They had their first lesbian wedding um, with two, like, epic power lesbians. Apparently, it's just super, super cray-cray this year. And you know that I have, like, insiders at Channel 9 because I co-hosted Talking Married a couple episodes last year. And, you Mm. know, I've just um, been given word that this really is the most cooked crazy season of any they've ever done. So Mm -hmm. I'm already super psyched.
1: Can I just check if I actually have the correct gist of what that show's about? So there's several Uh couples who meet at their wedding ceremony, in inverted commas, they then have to sort of maintain the illusion that they're married, but they're not actually legally married, but they have to live as a married Mm -hmm. couple. Do they all live together in the same house? Well,
0: they they didn't at first. So they all go on their honeymoons, and then when they get back from Mm -hmm. their honeymoons, um, they put them all in the same apartment building. So each of them shares Mm -hmm. an apartment all in the same apartment building, which they didn't do at first In the first couple seasons, they just, one of them went to live at the other one's house, but then they were like, Mm -hmm. this is boring. Let's shove them all in the same place so they can hopefully all root each other and cheat on each other, which they have done. Mm -hmm. So it makes it way more entertaining. (laughs) And then, um, Uh at the end of each week, they come together and have a big dinner party in which everyone goes crazy. And there's like punch ups and wine getting thrown and hair pulling. And then after that dinner party, they have a Like a ceremony where each person in each couple has to vote whether or not they want to stay married to their partner. And if one person says no and the other person says yes, they have to stay. They only get to both leave the experiment if they both say they both want to leave.
1: Oh, that's so messed up. And who wins the couple that stays married? It's not really
0: competition. So at the end, they have a recommitment ceremony. And you decide whether or not you want to stay with the person you got matched with.
1: Okay. Does anyone ever stay?
0: Uh, last year, one couple got married for real and they're together. And then I think mm. there's one other couple that I know of that are still together. So it it doesn't really work. And even the executive producer this year admitted that most of the people who um, apply to come on the show apply just for the TV experience, but she's like, but also, Mm. you know, as a bonus, they would like to fall in love, but these are the contestants we're Mm. getting, so that's what we're going with. So they're not even really pretending like it is what it is. (laughs) But you know what? That's what makes it entertaining. (laughs) So...
1: And have any of them been able to use this TV experience to actually build a lucrative? Career? Well, the ones
0: who got married last year, um, Cam and Jules, have been working their asses off to become like I don't even know what personalities. I mean, their wedding was filmed for a segment on a Current Affair, <laughs> which is oh. an Australian dream. <laughs> Australian dream. And um, they do lots of sponsorship. Like, they sponsor lots of teeth whitening. I think she's a spokesperson for um, Weight Watchers now. But no, no one's leveraged it into anything really. Well, oh, one of the guys who was on it a few years ago was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here this year. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell ya. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, that started. And also, The final major headline for this week, what do you think it is? Oh! Tickets for my show are on sale right now, (laughs) rosywaterland.com. The world premiere of my new live show, Kid Chameleon, is in Canberra on the 23rd of February. So that's not far away, guys. Canberra, represent. There's still tickets available. And then I'm doing five shows in Adelaide for the Adelaide Fringe Fest from the 25th to the 29th. And i got to be honest, I'm freaking out a little because you're not buying a lot of tickets, Adelaide. Not all the shows are sold out. So please, please, Adelaide, what do I have to do to get you to come? Jacob will be there.
1: I'll be there. I'm bringing a Jacob's posse bringing as Jacob's well.
0: bringing a posse, are you? Who are you bringing?
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of people who are going to be in town from well, work.
0: can you tell them I'm not giving them free tickets? They have to buy them because I'm freaking They're out. quite happy I'm to. I'm freaking out. You yep. get a free ticket. No one else does. I'm freaking out. I haven't sold <laughs> enough tickets. My touring company tell me that for Fringe Fest, people generally buy them like the week of or the week before, so I shouldn't freak out. But mm. I have crushingly low self-esteem and imposter syndrome and I'm convinced I'm going to turn up to deliver <laughs> jokes to empty rooms. So Canberra, please start a campaign. This is important. How do I get you to Canberra go? Canberra Adelaide or huh? both?
1: Canberra or Adelaide or both? You Adelaide can Canberra. and
0: Canberra. Both, right? No, Canberra's doing okay. It's Adelaide mainly, uh-huh. but also Canberra. Come on, both Adelaide. of you, please. You can do it. We believe in you. Spend money on. We'll and see you there. I'll Drink wine with you after. I'm not above whoring myself out for this. What do you want? <laughs> what do you need from me? I'll strip.
1: She'll sign whatever body parts I will. you want.
0: Please just come. It's a funny show. It's a funny show. I've been working on it for a while, despite what Jacob says. <laughs> 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 I also, like, kind of dropped some truth bombs about some things that people don't know about, and, like, I don't know. It's going to be awesome. So please buy tickets. And that's the final major headline for Australian and world news this week. Fantastic. Breaking news. I'm... X-ray, X-ray. <laughs> that was the scoop. Here, here, you see. <laughs> I don't know what that voice... It's like my 20s newscap boy slash reporter slash I don't know what it is. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Well, it's <laughs> it's part of the shtick. There we go. And we're sticking with it from here yeah, on out Yeah, because I, I
0: like doing it. <laughs> what did your friend say to you the other week when she listened? Oh, my God. I finally got to hear an episode where you and Rosie didn't try to sing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You told me that? one of your
0: friends said that, didn't they? <laughs> oh, no, that she realised the only reason you did this podcast is so you and I yes. could sing all the time.
1: Yep, she said, well done with the slow con, <laughs> convincing people to listen to the podcast and then just bit by bit start singing more and more yeah. and more to a transfixed audience. Yeah.
0: It's, it's working. working. Okay, here mm. we go. We're starting. Belle Gibson. Yes.
1: Was she on a dating show?
0: No. Okay. Okay. That was my one <laughs> guess. <laughs> okay, so I felt weird because after I mentioned her in breaking news the other week and you were like, This is boring, mm. I don't care about it. And then so and then I said to everyone, convince Jacob it's not boring. And a lot of people did and asked me to do it. So but I have felt weird about doing it because I feel like she feeds off attention like this. And Mm. I just 100% am sure that she has a Google alert on her name and so she'll listen to this Mm. and, like, I just, that makes me feel funny to, like, feed into what I think is already probably some kind of issue. I don't even know what's going on with her. I can't begin Mm. to speculate. It's not my place. But I just think Mm -hmm. I felt a bit weird about doing this as a topic because, like, attention and getting attention is such a huge part of, I think, why she did everything she did.
1: Yeah. And is she still profiting off? No, 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 no. Career Absolutely or following? Not. But no. still,
0: but then I was okay. like, but it's interesting and people want to hear about it, so mm. whatever. And maybe it's like completely up myself to assume that she would even listen to this. Not, not that this is such a huge podcast, but it's like I think she would have a Google alert is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But anyway, whatever. Those were my reservations, but here we go. Mm -hmm. She was born in 1991. Um, For a while, she said she was born in 1989. So the lies with her literally come down to her date of birth. She was Mm -hmm. trying to make herself two years older. It's never been quite clear why, because to be honest, her story would have been even more amazing if she was younger. But all her official documents that she files, like tax stuff and business stuff, it all puts her date of birth at 1990. One. One. She says her life was awful. She grew up in Queensland with um, a single mother who had MS and a brother with autism. So she says she was basically a carer from the time she was like five years old. And she spins these very Dickensian tales of like having to do grocery shopping as a five-year-old and learning to cook and all that stuff. Her mum has since come out and says that has said that's all nonsense i think it probably falls somewhere Mm. in the middle i think her life was probably kind of not easy but i don't think it was that bad but i mean also my Mm. mother has come out and says that everything i say about my childhood is a lie so who knows Mm.
1: and she was spinning these lies on just to everyone on social media
0: yeah just like when she became famous and people asked her about her childhood right that was the kind of stuff she would say Mm -hmm. she went to live with a family friend when she was 12 years old she dropped out of school in year 10 friends from high school say that even back then she was known as like a crazy liar like we've talked about this before that one weird friend you have in high school who just constantly talks shit and everyone Mm -hmm. knows that nothing they say is true but it's like oh so and so is spinning shit again, mm. like that one friend I had growing up who yep. had a real problem with the truth.
1: And all you can do at the time is just look wide-eyed and go, wow,
0: well, really? Well, yeah, and when really? you're in high school, it's just like, oh, whatever. I mean, what is the harm in having a friend who tells you that they have a disco room in their basement or What is the harm in having a friend who tells you that their dad is CEO of an advertising company when you see him driving buses around the neighbourhood? Like, you're just like, whatever, fine. But when they get older is when it becomes a bit weird. Mm -hmm. And in this case, criminal, I guess. (laughs) She moves to Perth to work at a, she's working at like a health insurance call centre. And in early 2009, so she's, what is she, 18, Uh, 17, 18, she Mm. starts writing in online chat rooms and I really like this detail because it's so 2009. She was in like skateboard culture chat rooms, like skatey culture. Yeah. So she was hanging out in all these skatey chat rooms and um, she starts writing that she's had multiple operations on her heart but she's never really specific about what kind of heart condition it is and that she's died on the operating table several times. And this, I think, is the usual attention-seeking stuff that happens online when people who are big liars as kids, when the internet became a thing and online chat rooms and communities became a thing, they suddenly realized that they could start spinning stories quite easily without needing any proof and getting attention Mm. in the online universe, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, what I've talked about. My friend from high school lied a lot when we were kids. And then as soon as the internet became a thing, she just went nuts creating an entire world online that was not real. And, like, I think it's only when the internet exploded that that became a tool for people like this.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you're going to go into this, but that was really fascinating how that friend of yours actually set up multiple profiles on social platforms and had them interact with each
0: other. Yeah. Like, she... (sighs) She talked about all these... Because I went off to boarding school, so I didn't see her all the time. So she would talk about all these friends she had, um, and I just believed her. Like, I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, she's made friends since I went to boarding school. But then it started to get very dodgy. So, like, she had about, you know, 10 or 12 friends that were always commenting on her Facebook like about how beautiful she is and how smart she is and how clever she is. And she would tell me stories about how she was dating one of them but another one had a crush on her and and she was like caught between these two guys who – and like just all this stuff. And I was like, wow, like because we were losers. I was like, she's got really cool since I left. I thought <laughs> <Like, laughs> she was so cool. And then it turned out years later when she started telling – her lies just started getting really out of control, like to the point where she was lying about health stuff as well. Like she used to always talk about like health things she had wrong with her. And I remember one night she called me really upset because she told me that she'd woken up and one entire side of her body was numb and she couldn't breathe. And she woke up her boyfriend and her boyfriend was like, oh, just sleep it off. And she was so upset that he had said that to her. But I knew that the reason he had said that to her is because she would say shit like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And he was probably just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like you're not. Mm -hmm. And so it just got to the point where people were starting to get concerned about all the stuff she was saying. And so then Mm -hmm. like we looked into her Facebook and we realized that all the profiles of all these friends, she had made them all Mm -hmm. and like she had made profiles of friends of friends of friends of friends to make those friends look real. So, like, one friend would comment on her page and then another friend of that friend would comment on that friend's comment and then, like, another person would come in and, like, put up another post and they were all her. Mm. And, like, for what purpose?
1: It's concerning.
0: So this is... What the internet, I think, did to people, like, you had those friends in high school who were just, like, had a problem with the truth. Mm. But then when the internet became a thing, it just meant that they could exponentially explore their bullshit. Yep. And it's bizarre. Mm.
1: And it's probably still happening out there with so many people in such an extreme way.
0: I got to a point where I said to her, I can't. I can't do this with you anymore. Like, mm. I know you're lying about all this stuff all the time. Mm. And um, and she sent me this really long email, like, explaining down to the most minute detail why I was wrong about what she was saying. And, like, I've read that pathological liars, one of their big things is they never think that, They haven't got an opportunity to hook you back in. Like, they'll Mm. never admit that they're lying. They always think if you just give them five more minutes, they'll be able to convince you that they're telling the truth, no matter how ridiculous it sounds. Mm. Anyway, that was a little (laughs) aside (laughs) about my weird high school friend.
1: I think you're about to outline why there are similarities between her and Belle Gibson.
0: Big time. So, Mm -hmm. um... She starts saying in this chat room that she, you know, has had all these hard operations and she's died on the operating table and she's getting a lot of of attention in these chat rooms. And this was sort of the beginning of chat rooms like this because the internet was only becoming more and more and more of a mainstream thing around this time. And she's getting a lot of sympathy without really having to put in a lot of effort, just going into a chat room and saying I died on the operating table and all these people going, oh, my God, that's like, uh," And so... You know, I guess she's getting some kind of buzz from it. Then, later in 2009, she starts saying online that she's been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and has only between six weeks and four months to live. So I think she kind of tested out the heart condition thing, quite liked the response, and then Mm -hmm. upped the ante. Mm -hmm. And at this stage, I mean, what harm is it? It's a bunch of people online that she doesn't know. She's saying some shit. Who cares? Mm -hmm. This is also the year that she has a son with a guy she doesn't stay with. So she's a single mother at 18, which I think is important to mention because I think probably loneliness, desperation for support, Mm. connection would have something to do. She's in a state that she's like never lived in. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really know anyone. I think a lot of that goes into explaining why she would behave this way. Yeah. But you know, obviously, she doesn't have cancer, and she's not going to die in four weeks to in six weeks to four months. And so she plays around with the story in chat rooms for a few years until Instagram becomes a thing. And then in 2013, so she's not dead; <laughs> she's lived. <laughs> in 2013, she pops up on Instagram as at Healing underscore Bell, mm. and probably to explain why she hasn't died, and also to like get more followers because this is when Instagram really became a thing that, like, particularly, like, the term influencer wasn't a thing yet, but there were some people who were figuring out ways to get lots of followers. Mm. Um, She starts her account Healing Bell um, and says that she's been healing herself of a malignant brain tumour since 2009 with purely a clean lifestyle. (laughs) So she says that after she got diagnosed in 2009 she started traditional like chemo and radiotherapy and stuff Mm. but then after a session one day she passed out in a park across the road from the hospital Mm. and when she woke up she was like there has to be a better way like the infomercial of cancer (sighs) treatment and so she says from there she stopped all conventional medicine Stopped mm. all pro- like medically recommended cancer treatment, all radiotherapy, everything. And she just started clean eating and also something called Gerson therapy, which is a completely scientifically debunked method of curing cancer. Mm. I say that in inverted commas, invented by a guy. And it basically involves drinking hourly juices and giving yourself coffee enemas. Uh huh. There have been very prominent wellness personalities with cancer who Mm. gave up conventional cancer treatment in favour of Gerson therapy and died Uh because it does not work.
1: Right. Unsurprisingly, what's in the juices, do you know?
0: I I, don't know. Turmeric. Supplements. Mm. Turmeric. Turmeric Mm. cures all. And so she tells this story on her Instagram that she just has been clean eating and doing this Gerson thing and she was meant to die in 2009 but now it's 2013 and she's still alive And so she starts posting, like, her recipes and lifestyle tips, all saying, like, she's still got terminal brain cancer because brain cancer cannot is the one cancer that there's no chance of a cure for yet. Mm. But she's just saying that she's extending her life indefinitely Mm -hmm. by treating herself this particular way. The Instagram takes off like crazy, and it doesn't take long for her to get 200,000 followers, which back in 2013 was, like, a lot of deal. followers. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. And to leverage her Instagram success, which is kind of smart on her part, although her boyfriend at the time, because she had a new boyfriend, was an IT worker. So I feel like maybe it was his idea. But she hires some tech people to develop an app for her called The Whole Pantry. So she's mm. like, you couldn't really monetize Instagram yet, but apps mm. were becoming a thing. She's like, if I can create an app that's filled with recipes and tips and whatever, and I can sell the app. That's how I'll make money. Mm -hmm. So she designs this app called The Whole Pantry and she sells it for $3.79 and it gets downloaded 300,000 times in its first few months in the app store because wellness was only just at the start of becoming like a commodified industry Mm -hmm. and this was pretty much the first wellness app. Like no one had really thought to do it yet. At that time, apps were still just games and nonsense and, you know. Fart machines. Exactly. So Apple approaches her and asks to help her further develop the app because they, it's so popular, they want to pre-install it so that every single Apple Watch they sell, because they're like a few months away from releasing the Apple Watch, they want it to be one of the pre-installed apps on every single Apple Watch in the world. Mm. I know. So she agrees to do that with Apple. She also signs a book deal with Penguin to release a cookbook with all the recipes that she says are, like, keeping her alive. Mm. She um, also claims, and this is another reason why she's so hugely popular, that all profits from the app go to charity – Most of the profits from the book she plans to give to charity and she also is constantly encouraging people to donate to charities that she's selected. Mm. There's one little boy called Josh Schwartz who has, she says, the same brain cancer as her and she'll do things like get on Instagram and say, for every app um, bought in the next two days, all the profits will go to the Schwartz family. Like she'll Mm. do little deals like that all the time. And so people can't believe that this young woman, Who is dying, who has a little son, has created this app and is just selflessly giving everything away. Mm -hmm. Plus, she's basically Jesus because she's figured out how to cure cancer. Right. (laughs) So she becomes like a media kind of darling, you know? She launches her book, and the main theme of the book launch is giving money to charity. And Mm -hmm. a book launch is just like a, a party with you've been to my book launches, it's like mm-hmm. your friends and family and the people from the publishing house, um, you can't invite a lot of people. And so she sells online tickets to her book launch. Mm. Um, so they have a video link and you can buy online tickets for anything between $20 and $100, depending on what kind of package you want. All of mm. that's going to charity, she says. Mm-hmm. So she's pretty smart at figuring out how to make money in every, at every opportunity.
1: Yeah, she's a hustler.
0: She's a hustler. And so at this point, it's 2014, and things are pretty amazeballs for her. So she moves into this massive rented house right on the beach in St. Kilda with her partner, Clive, and her little son. Mm -hmm. She gets BMW. She's flying business class on all these overseas holidays, posting it all on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, this is where people say she's smart but also she's dumb like it's just bizarre (laughs) that's why i say i'm not convinced the app was her idea because she seems Mm. like such an idiot but anyway she wins the cosmo fun fearless female award for best social media personality she's like does all the morning tv she's interviewed on sunrise and everything and she's going back and forth between melbourne and silicon valley um, to work with apple on the app Mm. then suddenly and this is strange She puts up an Instagram post saying that she's, you know, with a heavy heart, needs to tell everyone that she's been diagnosed with second, third, and fourth cancers. So now she has cancer in her blood, spleen, brain, uterus, and liver. But she's so brave and she's going to keep working and doing what she loves even though she's in pain and her life is ending And it's weird that she did this because her story was like people were believing it. She -hmm. didn't need to pile all of that on.
1: She didn't just double down. She quadrupled down. Yeah. She like
0: quadrupled Googleplex down. Like she just added an (laughs) infinite number of crap to like. It's bizarre. Like blood, spleen, brain, uterus, liver. And she wow. looks amazing. She's a gorgeous girl. like, mm-hmm. she, And because she doesn't have cancer, she looks healthy and vibrant. Mm-hmm. And anyway, at this point, a couple of her friends start to get suspicious. Also because she has this kid's party for her son. And at the party, she quite suddenly goes, collapses, and spends 40 minutes having really violent seizures that, like, really upset all the kids and everyone's freaking out and everyone wants to call an ambulance, but she won't let anyone. And there were a few people at the party saying it seemed off. But, like, you don't want to be the person to say, I think she's faking it because that makes you a dick. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of her friends have since come out and said, a lot of us were suspecting something was weird, but nobody wanted to be the first person to say, I think this single mother, or this, you know, mother of one and whatever is faking her cancer. So no one really says anything. But after she does that post with saying she's got a million more cancers, her friends are like, a couple of her friends are like, this is weird. And this So is,
1: she was faking a seizure yeah. at a social gathering. <laughs> or and then her when-
0: son, her son's birthday party.
1: When people started trying to call an ambulance, she would just, what, stop convulsing, snatch the phone out of their hands and then get back to the seizure? Well,
0: apparently she had multiple seizures, so she would come out of it and then she'd have another one. Okay. (laughs) So this is, it's bizarre. Yeah. And this is the account I read in a book that I got most of the information uh, about this from. It's called The Woman Who Fooled the World. It's by Bo Donnelly and uh, Nick Toscano and they are the journalists who broke the story about her and then went on to write a book about it. Mm -hmm. So they tell this story in the book uh, because they interviewed the friend who was there and um, she says they went to her house like very nervously to confront her and they were trying to be really pragmatic and like sensitive about it. They were like look If you've done something that's gotten out of control, if you didn't mean for it to get to this point, we're your friends, we love you, we can help you, but we just need you to admit what's happening. And apparently she got really upset and really defensive and they were like, well, just show us, like, can you show us, do you have scans? Do you have medical records? Do you have any documentation from an actual doctor? Like, we'll help you. And they were like, you know, you've released a book telling people that if they stop conventional treatment and- start eating your recipes, they will live longer. And doing coffee enemas. Yeah, like on the hour. You've got to stop. Like if that's not true, you need to admit it. Mm. And they said, tell it, you know, what's your doctor's name? At least tell us your doctor's name. Mm. And she says to them, I swear to God, she says, Dr. Phil. Doctor (laughs) Phil. And they're just like, are you effing serious, (laughs) Belle? Belle, Belle, what? And so at that point, and she's like, yes, there's this doctor. He's called Dr. Phil. He knows. And um, at that <sighs> point, the woman gets the shits and she goes upstairs to find Clive. And she finds Clive and she's like, is any of this true? We don't think it's true. Mm-hmm. And she says that Clive said to her, no, none of it's true, but she will destroy you if you try to ruin this for her. And oh. he says, The only reason I'm sticking around is because I love that little boy and someone needs to take care of him. Oh. And so Belle that night calls um, frantically a kind of like alternative medicine practitioner that she's been working with and asks him to come over. And so he comes over and she says to him, Tell them I have brain cancer. Mm. And he's like, Well,. I only know you have brain cancer because you told me you have brain cancer. Yeah. Like, And so she's trying to prove it. So they sort of end the night not resolving anything. Yeah. So the woman from that night is so upset that she gets in touch with Beau Donnelly and Nick Toscano to give them a tip that mm-hmm. Bell's full of shit. And so they start looking into it and it becomes pretty clear to them pretty quickly that the whole thing is very Dodgy. Mm. They, you know, speak to a bunch of people. They speak to cancer specialists who say it is impossible to have those different cancers all at the same time. Mm. Brain cancer is actually a a separate thing because your brain isn't connected to the bloodstream, it's only connected to the spine. Mm. So, brain cancer can't spread anywhere else like that. Like, there's Mm -hmm. just all this medical kind of technicalities that she obviously hasn't researched Mm -hmm. they pretty much the journalists pretty much get to the point where they know her story is bullshit but the lawyers at the age where they work say to them you can't you can't print that this is bullshit without sources who are willing to go on the record because none of her friends are willing to go on the record everyone's too terrified and so then they say okay well why don't we go after the money then? Because that's stuff we can prove, like the donations, mm-hmm. and let's look at where that's all gone. Mm-hmm. So they start looking into all the charity claims she's made, and it doesn't take them long to figure out that she hasn't donated anything to anyone.
1: Nothing whatsoever.
0: Nothing even they, to that little boy. No, nah, not to that little boy. Nah. Even a weird thing from the book is one of Belle's friends was saying that Belle asked her, oh, I'm going to go to Josh Schwartz's family's house next week. Can you cook me a bunch of meals to take there for them? Mm-hmm. And so she, her friend said she spent like two days cooking like two weeks worth of meals that could be kept in the freezer and a few months. And she said to Belle, oh, did they like it? And Bell was like, they loved it. Thank you so much. And a few months later she was at Belle's house and she saw all oh, the meals in the freezer. No. Yeah. No. So, like, it's just... And, like, she wasn't even trying to hide them in the freezer. Like, so oh. it's it's almost like... She, I don't know if she's not keeping track or if she... It's bizarre.
1: Brazen.
0: So um, they... Yeah, they follow the money and they find that there isn't really any money to follow. They get in touch wow. with a bunch of charities who either say they've never heard of her or they have heard of her but they never got anything. And so the lawyers say to them, well, yeah, this is something you can write about because this, mm. this is easily provable. So they approach her with a, uh, a bunch of questions. They try to get her on the phone. She won't talk to them. So they email her a list of questions basically like explain to us this and where is this money and how much mm. have you given, you know, all that stuff. And she freaks out and she emails them back, like what I said with my friend, like a 3000 word email, like Mm. rambling on details about why things haven't happened and why this is true. And she basically says that, you know, they've been having some cash flow problems in the company and accountants told them to like put a hold on outgoings until they fix this. And but also that day she freaked out called a couple of charities and made some token donations. So, like, she Mm. quickly sent a $1,000 to this one and she sent, like, a couple thousand dollars to another one, but still (laughs) nothing that she promised. Yeah. So she sends them back this 3,000-word rambling email but doesn't really answer anything. Mm. And so they publish the story. The story gets published in March 2015 that she hasn't given any money to charity or very little money to charity. Mm. And from there, everything starts to fall apart pretty quickly. So the online reaction is immediate. There are lots of comments from people saying how disgusting it is. It becomes like the top story on The Age. Mm. Um, But then in the comments and online and on social media and on her platforms, there's a lot of people saying, well, actually... I've been doubting for a while that she even has cancer. So then Mm. the money thing is sort of has given, finally given people permission to say, I think she's lying about that stuff as well. Mm. And so that way, that allows Bo Donnelly and Nick Toscano to write about the cancer doubts through the prism of people's comments. So Mm. they just wrote a story saying, it has since come out that people are commenting saying, Mm-hmm. XYZ, they don't believe her. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of tipped off that story as well. She then gives an interview to the Australian in which she kind of like says that she's not quite sure if she, what's going on with her diagnosis and she's very confused. Mm. And they're just like, hmm. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Phil doesn't know what's going on.
0: But then after this story broke, legitimate sources, including Dr. Phil, did come forward, and he is just a wellness practitioner. It seems like a pretty... Oh, this is
1: not Oprah's Dr. Phil? No,
0: just a man called Phil who is a doctor, although I doubt he's actually an MD. But Uh he comes forward saying... (laughs) She came to him saying she had cancer and he then recommended alternative therapies for her to follow to, Mm. you know, treat that cancer. Mm. They also find out, the journalist, that like way back in 2009, she went to a neurologist because she was convinced she had MS, like her mother, and they did all the tests on her and they told her that not only did she not have MS but her brain scans were completely healthy. Mm. And it was a few days after that, session at the doctor that she started writing in the chat rooms that she had terminal brain cancer. Mm. So Penguin, who published her book a couple months ago, get in touch with her and they're asking her for proof of her diagnosis. She ignores them. She just doesn't reply to them. So they pull the book from sale and pulp it. They eventually get fined $30,000 for publishing her claims without putting any effort into verifying them. They just published Mm. everything she said. Mm Mm-hmm. Apple dumps her app, not only from the Apple Watch, but they completely delete it from the Apple Store.
1: Do they refund everyone?
0: I don't know. I don't Mm. think so. Probably not. Mm. Belle starts going back through her public, like, Facebook and Insta and deleting certain posts, kind of thinking that she still probably has a chance to fix it or... um, But then she starts coming up with just the most ridiculous story... Mm -hmm. Because this is what pathological lies do when they get confronted. They double down. Mm -hmm. So she does an interview with the Women's Weekly in which she says, no, none of it's true. Like, I've never had cancer. But she says that she's been fooled like everyone else and she's a victim and she's traumatized because dodgy alternative doctors told her she had cancer and she believed them. So... She has been living (laughs) for years, believing that she's dying and she's not. Do you understand how awful that is? Could could she name the doctors? Well, she says that when she was younger, a man came to her house and had a machine that hooked up to a bunch of wires mm. and he like stuck the wires to her and then he told her you have terminal brain cancer uh-huh and she believed him
1: and then he just disappeared in a caravan never to be seen again i
0: yes <laughs> and so oh and she explained they said well how did you think you were getting chemo like if you weren't actually going mm-hmm. to a hospital and she said he gave me oral chemotherapy tablets so she thought she was taking mhm anyway The Women's Weekly interview doesn't land well. She thought it would. (laughs) So then she doubles down and does 60 Minutes with Tara Brown. And this is quite a famous interview that a lot of people have seen. And if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. It is bizarre. Yeah. So she pretty much says the same thing, that she has been traumatized. She is the victim in all this. She thought she had cancer and now she's found out that she doesn't and she's been Mm. living under the risk of death for years Mm. and she says, I'm grieving the fact that that's not my life anymore and Tara's like, you're grieving the fact you're not dying. Mm. And she's like, yes. (laughs) It's bizarre. (laughs) 60 Minutes uh, confront her with the evidence because she handed over all of her medical stuff to them and they went through it Mm. and they confront her with the evidence that they found this in her medical records that she went to see an actual neurologist at an actual mm. Melbourne hospital who told her that her brain scans were completely healthy, but she just kind of like, is like, yes. But then I, I, I found out afterwards that I wasn't because of the other wires on the oh. box thing <laughs> after the 60 minutes interview, she's totally effed. Like the interview was so bad. Mm. Not only did she look nuts, but she also looked like she had a complete lack of empathy for anybody who'd been affected. Like, she Mm. really, truly seemed to only be upset that her life had been ruined. Mm. She's a national prior. I think this is kind of when she realises that there's no coming back from it, so she mostly disappears. Mm -hmm. Accountants, like, wind up the business. Apparently there's, like, not really any money in it because I think she's Mm -hmm. just been spending money like crazy. But in an example of how she sees herself as the victim, though, she has a a private Facebook account that people tracked down and took screenshots of. Mm -hmm. And on the day the Apple Watch finally launched, she put up a post on her private Facebook page saying how proud she is to have been a huge part of the development of the Apple Watch (laughs) and how happy she is that her positive input into developing that was an integral part of, like, the (laughs) Apple Watch team and it was such an important day for her to see the product finally hit the stores, even though her app wasn't on it because they wouldn't put it on it because it was fraudulent. Uh So just a bit. Oh, wow. In May 2015, and keep in mind, I've just said a lot of things. She was on top of the world in December 2014. So this has all happened in less than five months. Yeah. Everything's collapsed. It's May 2015. Victoria's consumer watchdog launches legal action against her basically for lying to sell a product, like mm-hmm. basic, like selling something based on the fact that she was treating herself but she didn't actually have it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wanted her to be criminally charged with fraud, which would mean like prison time, mm-hmm. um, but she could only either be criminally charged or civilly charged mm-hmm. and apparently they chose to charge her civilly um, because that meant they could also charge people around who had been involved. So, for example, that's how Penguin ended up getting fined $30,000. Mm-hmm. So there was never a criminal case against her. It was just mm-hmm. a case to get money out of her.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: the case finally, because the law takes forever, uh, finally appears before the courts in June 2016. So a year later, she doesn't show up. <laughs> and over the next year, there's a few court dates, all of which she doesn't show up to. She was sick. She's sick. In March <coughs> 2017, she is found guilty finally and charged uh, around $500,000. And over the next couple of years, she just doesn't pay it. She just Mm -hmm. doesn't pay anything. But she's going on holidays and, like, buying stuff. And so then eventually the court is like, we will arrest you if you don't show up and explain to us why you're not paying or attempting to pay this fine. So she turns up at court, and this is all over the news when it happened, and she basically Mm -hmm. just says she has no money. She says she can't work. She's living off welfare and child support. She still lives with Clive. Mm. And this is, please, all allegedly, this is me just speculating because mm. meh, she lives with <laughs> Clive, but she's saying now that he's just her flatmate and landlord. Uh huh. Which, you know, kind of means if he's not her partner, his money doesn't have to be on the line for this uh-huh. whole thing. Yeah. So when they ask her, like, how did you get the money to take your son on an African safari? Mm-hmm. She just says, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, clearly Clive is supporting her and her son, and, they, and they, I'm sure they're probably still together. I don't know, but uh-huh. saying that he's her flatmate is really smart because uh-huh. it keeps, you know. Yep. Exactly. She just keeps saying she doesn't know. How did you... Like she'd spent something like $10,000 on clothes and they were like, where did you get that money? She says, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she's spotted around Melbourne all the time. Um, it becomes kind of a pastime for people to get photos of her. She's always out at expensive restaurants. She's mm. always, you know, she's just living her life. It's it's kind of seems like she has got off mm. on the whole thing. Um, she seems like she's gotten away with it. She also, <laughs> at this time... She's still on her bullshit. So at this time, through her private Facebook profile, she posts on a Facebook page uh, for some batshit crazy cleansing system diet Mm. that she did it for two days. And in that two days, she's so excited because she, uh, her vision improved all of her teeth cavities healed, and she saw a literal 60-centimeter tapeworm come out of her ass while she was shitting in the toilet. So she's literally still on her bullshit, like posting about how much she loves this cleansing diet that made her shit out of tapeworm and healed her cavities. In two days.
1: And there's no chance that she was just being sarcastic. No, no, no. This was a real
0: detoxing. post. She was like in the Facebook page saying, I tried your product. I want to tell you how excited I am. It really worked for me. Blah, 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 blah. Like, Using her own name. No, she had a uh, secret name, but okay. th- there's a Facebook group about. that uh, people just know it's her. Uh huh. I got right. deep in this for you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> that was also reported in the news, so everybody knew that she did that. Okay, so... This pretty much brings me to bringing her up in Just the Gist the other week uh-huh. to tell you that police had finally gone to her house and started seizing her stuff because uh-huh. they're like, if you're not going to pay us, we're going to take your stuff. Uh-huh. And you said you didn't care and that you didn't want to hear about it because it wasn't that interesting, okay? <laughs> then, by total coincidence, you were going to die. By total coincidence, she pops up in the news again the next day, the day after we recorded that episode. Footage had emerged of her (laughs) in a headscarf outside a Melbourne-based Ethiopian church. Uh She was calling herself Sabontu. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she was calling herself Sabontu. And she was talking about the plight of her people back home in Oromo, (laughs) Ethiopia. Now, let me just read a little quote from the video of her being interviewed. My heart is deeply embedded in the Oromo people. I feel blessed to be adopted by you. And then she said that in the church meeting, they'd been discussing the oppression of the Oromo people in Ethiopia. And she Uh says, we came forward with a solution after that discussion. We discussed looking forward to the future and doing a community grouping to raise large amounts of money for the ongoing support of the Aromo people. We touched on the power that we have in the diaspora around the world to call on our local governments to provide support and assistance against the oppression of Aromo people. I think all of us were positive and hopeful for change after hundreds of years of oppression against Aromos. And since then, in the last week, a bunch of photos have popped up of her in traditional Ethiopian dress all around Melbourne. And (laughs) when confronted with this, like uh, all these journalists went to this local Ethiopian church and they were like, do you know who this is? And they were like, what? They were like, she's got nothing to do with us. She has just turned up to our church a few times in a headscarf. Like, we don't know. And that is the current situation where Gibson is in the last week.
1: Wow. What a twist. I know. (laughs) I didn't see that going at all. Did she actually go to Ethiopia when she took her son to Africa? Yes.
0: So apparently Uh that's what the trips were about. She got very embedded in the, I hope I'm saying that right, the Oromo people.
1: Right. Okay. Well, look, as I said (laughs) at the top of the podcast- I'm willing to admit that I was completely wrong. I right. didn't know any of these elements in the story and I can see why you came in hot, all invested and whatnot when they finally raided her home.
0: I told um, you. Yes. Okay, we- so here's some questions I, I want to ask your yes. perspective. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think she's clearly mentally a bit unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, what I didn't mention was is that The doctor, who the neurologist that she saw that day, who told her that she wasn't unwell, there was nothing wrong with her brain, she was completely healthy, he did note in his doctor's notes that day that she seemed incredibly distressed, she seemed incredibly lonely, she was a single mother, she was 18 years old, she had Mm -hmm. no support, and he was worried about her and wrote to her GP and said she may need some kind of psychological help. Mm -hmm. So even though he said... There was nothing physically wrong with her brain. That doctor that day thought she was upset about not being sick because she was really craving attention mm-hmm. and love and and mm-hmm. some kind of caregiving feeling. Support. And so I just can't decide. But also, like, she may have Munchausen's, which is where you make yourself sick for attention, mm-hmm. but also she scammed people. Yeah. And she seems to have a complete lack of empathy for that. But does she have a lack of empathy because she truly believes, I don't know, it's like Elizabeth Holmes, you know? Yes, there are did so many she parallels, believe, Did she truly thinking. believe that she was doing something positive and then it got away from her or was it a scam the whole time and she's just evil? Mm. What do you think?
1: I kind of think for both of them and it really is at that point where they're asking... Fact after fact that they've uncovered, and the yeah. only answer that Elizabeth and Bell could come up with was, "I don't know, I can't recall." <laughs> yes, and at no point do they actually say, "You know what? I'm caught out here. I actually really need help." Mm. They just continue to commit to the lie as it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think,
0: uh, well, that's the thing. There was a um a crisis. PR specialist who helped her pro bono when the story Mm. broke. And he's the one who set up the Women's Weekly interview for her. Mm -hmm. And he said, Belle, your only option here is to say that you lied, to say, like, explain your whole situation, Mm. explain that, you know, you you probably need help, you don't know why you did it, and then to disappear. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's your only option. You have to do it that way. And then she went into the interview and completely didn't do it that way. Mm. And so then he was like, okay, bye, and he stepped back, and then she organised the 60 Minutes interview herself. (sighs) So she had people telling her, you can get some semblance of, getting out of this if you just admit it. Yeah. But she wouldn't.
1: Oh, look, I can totally see now why you were in two minds about doing an episode on her, given that she seems to be doing so many things just to garner more and more attention for herself. Um, Do you feel so like she'd listen to this? We're kind of feeding the beast. Um, uh,
0: she has apparently insisted that she is not mentally unwell and when it was put to her that she has Munchausen's or possibly narcissistic personality disorder, mm. um, she got very offended and upset and has mm-hmm. always insisted there's nothing mentally wrong with her. Mm-hmm. This is all conjecture on our part, like mm. as in when it comes to her personal whatever. But everything else we've talked about, it's all been reported on. It's all, you know. Mm. But, I mean, at the end of the day, when you talk about her, what it comes down to is what's going on in her head. Yeah, And that is all just speculation and conjecture, and I don't think anyone could ever really know.
1: Yeah. Is it on the record what they're able to seize from her house?
0: No. And I think that would be particularly hard, considering she lives with Clive. Could they not just say that everything's Clive stuff? It's his.
1: It's his. When did you get this? I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, do we know what's next? She's... Continuing no. to go to this Ethiopian church or?
0: I don't, well, apparently they don't want her there anymore. So uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> I told you it's interesting.
1: <laughs> it is. It's fascinating. I'll
0: keep you posted. But, man, it's, it's a story that I just, I've been obsessed with it. That's yeah. why I brought the news that her stuff had been seized.
1: Yep. Well so, done. Did this go global? Or was it just? An
0: Australian uh, it did. Phenomenon. It did go pretty global. Yeah. Mm. I mean, back when it first came out, because she had this book and she had this app, and like she was working with Apple. And yeah. but since then, I don't think it has, like, the ongoing court stuff and her not turning up and her like that's you know, mm-hmm. that's sort of an Australian cares only issue,
1: right? Rosie we cares sh- only. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and now Jacob, I can tell you're super into this now.
1: Very invested. Um, did she write all the recipes for the cookbook?
0: They had someone help her
1: uh-huh. do it. And has that person come forward and do they have any sort of medical qualifications?
0: Uh, no, I think it was an actual chef. But uh-huh. it, it wasn't like the recipes are he- uh, like have cancer healing properties. It was just like if you eat very clean and healthy. So they were yeah. just very clean, healthy recipes. Mm-hmm. So wow you know what a tale I know <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to ask you to oh. recap it in one minute but it's too much we <laughs> like, yeah girl just I don't know did she just start telling this story on chat rooms and then put it on Instagram before Instagram was big and then it just got away from her and she the was stuck just in kept the line
1: snowballing
0: or was it planned or I don't know that's kind of the main
1: yeah, how did they track down the um, skater at broom, chat discussions?
0: Oh, I don't know. Journalists track down all that stuff. Mm. They track down her. They have her online footprint for years and years and years of Isn't random it stuff how she said that's
1: out there. For I know. Everyone. Doesn't it make you
0: think about the stuff you've said?
1: <laughs> Shut up. I don't think I've
0: said anything like that now. Probably just weird porn searches for me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand that stuff. There's probably like 50 photos of like my vag in the cloud just because I feel something weird down there and I take a photo of it to like see it. And then because I'm 33, I don't understand how the cloud works, so I just send it all in there not knowing who can access it. I don't know who can access it. You know how many photos of my butthole are probably in the cloud? I put them there. I don't well, understand the internet.
1: Basically, inviting someone to hack you, right? Oh, now. Go
0: for it. Um,
1: <laughs> From there's page naked of the day. Photo- there's naked
0: photos of me online anyway. I don't, whatever. Well. Um, <laughs> who wants to see my butthole? <laughs> 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 really? <laughs>
1: uh, Look, if
0: you can access the cloud to get that, then you know what? You get what you deserve by being confronted with those photos.
1: I've just about seen it. There's nothing remarkable about it. <laughs> <laughs> Not easily identifiable.
0: Oh, so <laughs> that's that. That's Spell Gibson. Um, I do want to say that I gave you just the gist, but mm-hmm. if you want more info, which everyone wants to go down this rabbit hole... Mm. The book, The Woman Who Fooled the World by Mm -hmm. Bo Donnelly and Nick Toscano, Mm. the journalist who broke the story. I listened to it as an audio book, which was awesome because it's kind of just like a super long investigative podcast. podcast, Yeah. Mm. And then I also read the Women's Weekly article that Mm -hmm. she did and I watched the 60 Minutes Episodes she did with Tara Brown. You can Google uh-huh. both of those. So, those are the three main things I looked into. Uh-huh. Um, if you want to go super deep, but definitely the book is what I would recommend the most. Okay. Cool. That.
1: Thank you so much. Oh
0: my gosh, you're welcome. <laughs> I feel like i me to wrong. Lie down. Yes, I did prove <laughs> you wrong. You're going to go and Google her right now. I know it.
1: I'm going to watch the 60 Minutes oh, interview. Oh, watch in the, the car 60 the Minutes interview. Yep.
0: Big yep. time.
1: Uh huh. All right. Okay, my friend, uh, you got a big few weeks coming up.
0: Yeah, I do. Getting ready uh, for your shows? My shows. Uh, tickets are available at rosywaterland.com. Come on, Adelaide. Come on, Canberra. Buy some tickets. Buy some tickets, please. See you there. Okay, love you. Love you too. Bye. Yeah.